some summer's eve. On a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep. So Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is me again, your host with political theater, Charles Nash here. I'm going to go ahead and get the gambler by the late and great Kenny Rogers here. We're going to go ahead and get Kenny Rogers here shut off. Which, by the way, that, the gambler, that's probably one of the best songs in my top five all-time listening songs is Kenny Rogers right there in The Gambler. But getting on from my opening song here, we have a lot of things to discuss, a lot of things that I've been waiting and I have put on the back burner here for the last several days um, from when I did my podcast, which, again, I apologize, was just audio. Uh, it was for the 9-11 um, remembering the 20th anniversary for 9-11. Again, if anyone would like to listen to that, it is on iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. You can listen to it on any four of those outlets. Um, there's probably a couple more uh, sites that I'm on as well. I just do audio um, or radio. So you can listen to that podcast. And this is not me saying, you know, trying to give myself a one-up. That, folks, here the other day when I, I did the um, Remembrance to 9-11, that was probably one of my best podcasts that uh, to date that I've probably ever done. Um, again, that's, that's not me trying to, you know, put myself above anyone else or anything else that I've done so far. But it, it was one of the better, better podcast episodes. So... <clears throat> With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to apologize to everyone. I'm, I'm scooting back and forth here because I've got a lot of uh, commercial breaks that I'm going to have to take today. So if you see me kind of moving around because I've got the, the video cam up today, um, that is what I'm doing. I'm trying to take care of many different moving parts as your host. Uh, not only do I have to talk about the talking points and the news, but... I also have to monitor and take care of all the time spans with everything that happens in my podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and talk about the, the first topic here. And I've been biting, biting at the chops to want to talk about this. And the very first one is on Reuters. Uh, it has to do with what happened here last Tuesday, when the Biden administration came out and said that they were making it uh, a, a mandated, 100% uh, mandate um, that everybody that is unvaccinated has to get the COVID-19 vaccination. If you're an employer that employs over 100 people in its staff, you're required to get the COVID-19 vaccination, one of the three um three vaccines that's out there, rather the Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson. It was also put out, which a lot of news networks are not covering, in that mandate, it's also requiring federal and state employees all must be 
vaccinated if you're not, especially if you're a federal worker in 75 days from the mandate. If you're in a healthcare position of any type, again, it's being mandated. Doesn't matter what state you're in, rather blue or red or wherever. It's being mandated after 75 days from the mandate itself that you are required to get the COVID vaccination out of one of the three that's out there. Preferably, if I had to make a choice, it's probably going to be Moderna or Pfizer, seeing how they're now FDA approved. Now, that's not me saying that I agree with that because I don't agree with it. That's just me reading down the mandate. So I want to get to this first article by Reuters here. Um, this came out yesterday at 1.04 p.m. It was on Reuters. The title of it is, is, How Will Biden's Vaccine Mandate Impact Workers and Companies? So we're going to go ahead uh, and read it. I, I do love the um, picture that goes with this. Uh, it says it has a man holding up a sign uh, over a, a, a freeway pass. It says, no vaccine mandate for me. So again, this is from Reuters. It says, President Joe Biden announced new mandates on Thursday to spur Americans who are not vaccinated against the COVID-19 to get the shot. It says, measures apply to more than 100 million workers but is not known how many of these are already vaccinated. It says, here's a look at the measures to do and to not do. It says, who does it cover? It says, that would cover an estimated 4 million federal employees and workers on government contracts. In addition, the Labor's Department, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which is OSHA, or OSHA for short, will issue a rule using emergency authority in the coming weeks to require employees with more than 100 employees to mandate and ensure workers get vaccinated or get tested weekly. Now, it's not going to be weekly, folks. They're going to mandate these people, these American citizens, American workers in any company with more than 100 employees they're going to mandate it or you're going to lose your job. They're not going to do this week to week testing. And I and I I know what people are saying. Well, Mr. Nash, they've said that you've got to, you know, if you if they don't pay for it out of pocket, you know, the 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 employee can have to pay for it then. Yeah. How many people out there in the workforce folks that live paycheck to paycheck are going to sit there and pay to get weekly or daily tested for COVID-19 and it come out of your pocket. Nobody's going to do that. There is nobody in hell that's going to spend more money out of their paycheck, their hard-earned money, to have to get weekly tested and paid for that. You know damn well with the Biden administration and these companies that are going to go along with them, you know what they're going to do. It's rather you get vaccinated or we're getting rid of you. It's just going to be that simple. And I know people is going to be like, well, you had no evidence of that, Mr. Net. The evidence is in the writing, folks. 
This is the same administration who can't get anything right. You ask them one set of guidelines, they give you another. You ask about the guidelines that they gave you, and they give you another completely different set. They have no accountability for anything. You honestly think this is going to be a smooth and easy uh, mandate? Absolutely not. So I will continue here. <clears throat> it says... Um, Excuse me. It says OSHA said, and a new emergency temporary standard <clears throat> will also apply to public sector, state and local workers, including educators and school staff, in and twenty six states and two territories with a state OSHA plan. The Department of Health and Human Services Center for Medical and Medicaid Services, or CMS will further issue a rule requiring vaccinations for workers in both healthcare facilities and receive Medicare or who receive Medicaid or Medicare reimbursement, <clears throat> including hospitals, dialysis centers, ambulatory surgical settings, and home health agencies. About 17 million healthcare workers. Um, it's estimated more than half of them at 64% of hospital staff, 62.7% of nursing home staff, and 54.7% workers at dialysis facilities have already been vaccinated. This is how long do workers and employees have to comply um, with these mandates? Well... It looks like, from what I'm reading, <clears throat> it says federal workers have roughly 75 days, like I stated from the start, to get themselves vaccinated according, by, according to the White House and what they've indicated. For healthcare workers, uh, the CMS is issuing a so-called interim final rule, which becomes effective immediately upon... Um, official publication in mid to late October. I'm going to cut in a little bit on this um, reading that I'm doing on Rutgers here. Did anybody else catch the big news article? It did not catch any headlines. I think I seen it on Fox News and Newsmax that were really the only two networks that picked this up. Um, but it hit a lot of small local newspapers and small publications for podcasts and things online. Did anyone see where there's a lot of hospitals all over the United States that the nurses and doctor staff, especially in maternity wards, are quitting? They said they're not going to follow this new mandate. There are doctors and nurses staff that are just up and quitting, and a lot of them in maternity wards which is prompting hospitals to have to delay um, delivering children. I laughed at some of these articles that I read yesterday because I had people on there going, well, you know, the pregnant women can wait. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but as a father and a parent, um, I remember when all three of my children were born, all three of my daughters and I don't know about anybody else, but um, I'm pretty sure when a baby makes its uh, 
announcement that it's a coming. Um, there ain't no putting it off. Uh, the baby's coming. Uh, I, I just, I had to bring that up because I had so many, um, and I mean so many readings about this and small podcasts and little, um, news articles yesterday that I was reading about that subject that it just kind of made me giggle. Um, yeah, we're going to delay a baby from being born. Good luck with that. Uh, I, I can tell you what it's going to do, folks. You're, you're going to start seeing like it was in, in my grandparents' time. Um, you're going to see a large shift of U.S. population um, to start doing uh, childbirth at home instead of going to a hospital. You're going you're gonna to have more um, delivery uh, nurse aides in home settings and private settings than you are at hospitals. This is what it's going to come down to. Um, which is starting to pick up. I, I read a, a little article here a couple months back. That trend is already starting to pick back up again. Um, where you're having housewives come in to deliver children at home instead of doing it in hospital. Which, with COVID with it being the way that it is and the way they report that it's just so rampant and infecting everybody and everyone's going to die from it. It doesn't surprise me. If anything, it, it's true. I, I it, what those I've read in those articles, it's going to drive more people to have their children born at home. And you know what, unless there's a major complication, uh, I, I, I don't see any issue with that personally. I think that's a personal choice. Uh, reading on in this Red Curse article, um, it comes up to the subject that says, are there any exemptions, which is a good question. It says the federal employee mandate includes limited exemptions for legally recognized reasons, such as disability or religious objections or obligations. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was quoted saying. Uh, now, I know that title, I believe it's Title V of the U.S. Civil Rights Act forbids discrimination against an employee based uh, an individual's race, color, sex, religion, or national origin. It says a very small number of religious groups in the United States have uh, objection to vaccine, which they say interfere with divine providence. Uh, the vaccine is not recommended for people with allergies to some of its ingredients. So that is the report there from Rutgers. Uh, I'm going to add into that little bit that I, I read there. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction here. I've made predictions before. I'm going to make a big one right here. That whole thing with, well, if it's a religious issue, you can reject to, you know, object to getting the vaccine. That's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. That's not going to protect anybody out there, folks, who's on the fence or does not want to get the vaccine. The Biden administration and the federal government are going to jam it down your throat and into your arm, no matter what you say. 
Now, I know I've probably got people rolling their eyes and going, You don't know that! You don't know that, Mr. Nash! No, I, I do know that. Here's a good example. Uh, has it stopped them from administering the vaccine to our military service members? The answer is no. Remember, I read an article here a couple weeks ago out of, uh, it, it was about when Pfizer, it was a couple days before Pfizer uh, got their vaccine FDA approved. What did I say was going to happen as soon as it gets the green light? I said they, they had come out with an article in the news from the Biden administration saying how they were going to go full throttle with the military. The only branch of the military that was hesitant and is fighting back about it is the Marines. And what happened? We're already getting people discharged out of the military, good men and women who serve our country every day. They're being discharged. I read about one here as like three or four weeks ago that was right here based in Ohio. They let her go because she refused to get the COVID-19 vaccination shot. And one of her reasonings is, was religious reasonings. So do you honestly think if one of our members of our armed forces claims she doesn't want to get it because she doesn't agree with the vaccine, she doesn't agree with what's in it, she doesn't agree that she doesn't know if it's safe or not because it's not been thoroughly put through the ringer like most medications take years and years and years to do, and there's religious implications to why she doesn't want to get it. Okay, so right there, if it's divine providence, she should be exempt, right? Wrong. It didn't stop him from discharging her. And the question still hasn't been answered. I haven't found an answer to this online from anybody. It never did say if she was discharged from the military as with a honorable discharge or a unhonorable discharge. It has not indicated to anybody, and no one's even asking this question. I'm asking this question. I would honestly like to know if you disagree with getting vaccinated in the armed forces of any branch and they say you're done, your services are no longer needed, we're discharging you, are you getting an honorable or a dishonorable discharge? I ask this, folks, because I'm telling you now, you get a dishonorable discharge. I'm, I'm a veteran. It does not work in your favor. It just doesn't. If anything, it makes your life a living hell because you see you have employers or future employers that see that and they go, I don't want anything to do with that person. It hurts your work. It hurts your, reputa your reputation. There's just no doubt about it. Ask anybody that has a dishonorable discharge on their record. Anytime you mention you're in the armed services, you have it on a resume, what's the number one thing you get asked by an employer? Were you honorably or dishonorably discharged? They want to know. They want to know. Because if it's dishonorable, you look like you've done something in the eyes of the federal government that you're a problem. You're a troublemaker. You're a rebel. And that's not always the case.
So again, I would like to know the answer. Was it a honorable or dishonorable discharge? We've, I, I've been yet to get that, that wording. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. So, what I'm going to do next here, that was the Rutgers article. I'm going to go ahead and get that uh, article changed out here. We're going to get to our next one here. So, our next one here is audio from... Um, this one's from Florida. This was... Uh, Three days ago, uh, it was Ron DeSantis um, firing back at Joe Biden over the COVID-19 mandates that they, they put down through the OSHA. Um, so I want everyone to listen to what Ron DeSantis says here. Well, I would just say generally, when you're taking action that's unconstitutional, that threatens the jobs uh, of the people in my state, uh, many, many thousands of jobs, uh, I'm standing for them. We're going to protect their jobs against federal overreach. And this is a guy who criticizes the state of Florida for protecting parents' rights. He says school boards should be able to eliminate parents' rights and force five-year-old kids to wear masks all day. That's what he thinks is appropriate government. Yet, here he comes from Washington, D.C., instituting an unprecedented mandate, which even his own people have acknowledged in the past is not constitutional. That's not leadership. And I think the problem I have with Joe Biden more than anything, this guy doesn't take responsibility for anything. He's always trying to blame other people, blame other states. And you're getting this applause. is a guy that promised when he ran for president that he would shut down the virus. If you look now, there's 300% more cases in this country today than a year ago when we had no vaccines at all. So his policies are not working. He's doubling down on things that are going to be very destructive for the livelihoods of many, many Americans and obviously going to be destructive uh, to our constitutional system and the rule of law. And so these are times uh, when you believe in that constitution, uh, you got to stand up. And obviously the substantive issues important because there, there are places that are going to toss aside people who've worked They've worked this whole time throughout COVID. Now, all of a sudden, they should be tossed aside. They were working when nobody had vaccine. You don't know their history. You don't know why they're making decisions that they're making. Many of these people have already recovered, and they have immunity. The idea that somehow uh, you have somebody that gets a Johnson & Johnson, they can work, but someone that's got natural immunity somehow can't, that natural immunity is strong. So it's not based on science. And you can say he's saying he's losing patience with people. You know, at the end of the day, we don't live um, with a one person rule in this country. We live in a constitutional system which people's rights are respected. But particularly in this juncture, their livelihoods and their jobs have to be protected. I mean, just think about, you know, what this mandate would do. It's going to drive people out of work, out of hospitals, out of all this stuff where you have a need for people. It's already so happening. It's totally counterproductive, and I think it'll ultimately lose in court. 
Well, be, and before that, you know, there needs to be action taken uh, to protect the people of our state and hopefully of the entire United States. Nobody should lose their job based on this decision. And that was Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida speaking out, firing back against Joe Biden over the mandates. And folks, everything, this is not me just going, yeah, I agree with another Republican. No, this is me agreeing with Ron DeSantis there. He made valid points. He made valid remarks. Especially his comment with follow the science. Remember, we're supposed to be following the science here, folks. And and they're not. This comes down to a person's or an administration's opinion. It's not backed by science and it's not backed by facts. If it was backed by science and facts, then why is it here within the last 24 hours and even as of today of 914 of 21, why do we have more people from the CDC and more people uh, in general, just in general, from the healthcare organizations resigning? It's a question we're going to bring up here and we're going to talk about when I come back. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, I just want everyone to hang on for just a second, and we'll be right at, back after an obscene profit timeout. We'll be right back, folks. Hello, I'm Mike Bindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest-growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Sleep is one of the most important things to your health, and MyPillow is one of the most important things to your sleep. Call or go to MyPillow.com now, and Mike will give you two MyPillow premiums for one low price. Use the promo code and you'll also receive free shipping. That's two MyPillow premiums for one low price. I tried every pillow from expensive down pillows that just went flat to fiber-filled pillows that rebound every time you move your head. I even tried those memory foam pillows, and the curve did not match my neck, and it probably won't match yours. That's why I invented MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. When I got my pillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. My pillow lasts 10 years, is machine washable and dryable, and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. I personally guarantee my pillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own or your money back. Call or go to MyPillow.com now, and Mike will give you two MyPillow premiums for one low price. Use the promo code and you'll also receive free shipping. That's two MyPillow premiums for one low price. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! And we are back. 
Coming back from our little commercial break and advertising sponsors break here. Um, again, if, if, if you're wondering why there's a break, if you're on video where it looks like it's changed up, uh, we don't always do a lot of our sponsorship through the video. So you're just going to see a cut segment and it's just come with me coming right back if you're watching me on the Ditto Cam. If you're listening to me on the radio, you will hear all of the sponsors. Uh, you will hear my own promos for um, Spotify and Anchor. You're going to hear all of that. So it, it makes a lot more sense if you're listening to me on the radio than just watching me on the Ditto Pod. On the Ditto Pod, you're just going to not hear the commercials at all. You're just going to see a juncture between breaks of the video of me coming right back. So I don't want to confuse anybody. So we're, we're explaining that. So I'm going to go ahead and get the uh, the music cut here. And we're going to go right back into our featured podcast here at Political Theater. So the very next topic, folks, that I'm going to go right into, uh, continuing with the COVID mandate. So I wanted to read an article here. Um, this is from the... Pacific Legal Foundation. Um, you can go to the pacificlegal.org forward slash R mandates to find and read this article on your own. It was published on uh, June 8th of 2021. A couple months here. But the reason I'm bringing this article up is the relevancy that it has to the Biden administration uh, COVID vaccine mandate that was put out on Tuesday of last week. Um, if you really have any questions about the legal fight that there's going to be with this, this is why I wanted to bring this up. So I'm going to read here from their website. It says, Are mandatory vaccinations and vaccine passports constitutional? That's been a very, very tough question, even with legal experts all over the United States who have argued this, this point back and forth the last several months. But I want to read this because it's very interesting. It gives very good breakdowns if you're having a hard time understanding what the legal battle, the constitutional battle for this is going to, to be and what it means. Because believe it or not, this is not the first time in American history we have been faced with a, a federal or a state ordinance or mandate requiring health... Um, determinations for individuals' rights or state rights. That might come to a shock to everybody. Now, I have talked about this before where states do have the legal authority. Let me repeat this again because I know there's going to be people going, you're wrong, Mr. No. no. There are legal rights that a state has, not the federal government, the state, the individual states have the authority, have the authority under state legislation to put down such health mandates 
if it is in public interest and public concerns when it comes to health, they can mandate certain standards and certain laws. Now, as a law, it has to be voted on by you, the citizen. A mandate or a proclamation doesn't. But the state has legal authority. The federal government does not. So I'm going to read this here from, again, the Pacific Legal Foundation. It says, as the COVID vaccines continue to become more widely available and vulnerable, the conversation has turned to whether the government should mandate vaccinations. It says some policy proposals have called for vaccine passports to ensure that the unvaccinated do not harm others, while others propose ban businesses from inquiring about vaccine or vaccination status. Are mandatory vaccinations and vaccine passports constitutional? It says the answer is not so simple, but Americans do have extensive experience in this issue. Their example goes to the 1853 yellow fever outbreak that killed more than 8,000 people in New Orleans. In 1859, which was particularly a bad year in New York City, when roughly one out of every 27 New Yorkers died from such killers as cholera, smallpox, typhoid fever, malaria, yellow fever, and tuberculosis. It was against this backdrop that multiple health boards were created and given board powers and broad powers to combat communicable diseases. Governments began to take on the responsibility of protecting its citizens, not only against foreign invasions and domestic criminals, but also against ravages of the diseases. To fight these in-depth epidemics, it says um, newly created authorities imposed quarantines for the sick, established light and ventilation requirements in apartments, uh, cleaned up water supplies, and even required some mandatory vaccinations. Uh, so these measures were not always liked, and there was an impact on individuals' rights. Uh, some of them were severe. Yet by, by the end, a large majority of these uh, procedures were upheld by the courts with little dissent. Speaking of such dissents... It says in 1898, as the SS uh, Britina was sailing from Europe towards New Orleans with 408 passengers aboard, mostly Italian immigrants, the city imposed a quarantine and forbid the Britannica from docking. City officials claimed they wanted to protect the passengers from yellow fever outbreaks within the colonies that killed residents a year earlier. Uh, after the steamship was forced to disembark its passengers in Pensacola, Florida, the owners of the ship sued, 
claiming that the quarantine was tyranny-veiled attempt to keep Italian immigrants, um, and it violated the Constitution because it interfered with um, commerce. This case went all the way up to the Supreme Court in 1902, Nine of the justices agreed that the states could impose quarantines to protect public health. Two justices expressed doubt that a lawful quarantine could exclude otherwise healthy immigrants and were concerned that the New Orleans quarantine might interfere with some uh, treaties with the European states. As for the quarantines to confine the sick, the court said that the matter was quote, so well settled, it was no longer an open debate. So there you go, folks. This this is not the first time something like this with a pandemic or a sickness of disease has caused the courts to have to hear cases. And this is why I'm reading this to everyone. Now, the next case that I'm going to read through here, I want everyone to take into consideration with what is happening now. It says, quarantines affect civil liberties, um, and it could be argued with extreme measure. In 1900, for example, San Francisco imposed a quarantine on Chinatown to fight the bubonic plague. Over 15,000 people was placed in the quarantine quarantine zone, they could not leave unless you were a white individual. This was in 1900. This is a shopkeeper named Joe Ho objected, arguing that it made it impossible for him to run his grocery store. Uh, said two weeks after the court adopted this policy with um, putting these quarantines on. It says the Ninth Circuit struck down the quarantine measures. Not only was it unable to protect public health, but the city had no authority or right to enforce any ordinance in this city that shall discriminate against any class of persons in favor of another. As quarantine individuals confined pales in comparison, to a forced bodily invasion for a vaccine like we have today, the medical consensus is that the vaccines are critical to public health. Now, as I go down through here, uh, there was another, um, there was another case in this in American history in 1902, a Swedish immigrant named Henning Jacobson objected when Boston, like many other cities, demanded that he get the smallpox vaccination. Jacobson's refused. Uh, he claimed that um, when he was a child in Sweden, a vaccine caused great and extreme suffering for long periods of time by the disease produced by the vaccination. Boston fined him $5, which is roughly equivalent to $150 in today's standards. Again, you're seeing history repeat itself 
back then, just like it is today. See how it's so important, folks, when I say history repeats itself, please pay attention. There's no reason for us to get rid of our history. This is why I'm reading this. Jacobson sued. He lost his first case in the Massachusetts Supreme Court. The court denied him of the authority to introduce any evidence. Why does that sound so familiar? Does anybody remember this with the voting issue, with the presidential voting uh, integrity issue in 2020? Same thing applies here. They, the court denied Jacobson <clears throat> to introduce any evidence because it said the evidence could not have changed the result. Jacobson next went to the U.S. Supreme Court where he claimed that the mandatory vaccine was an assault upon his person and, quote, a hostile to the inherent right of every free man to care for his own body and health in a way that as he seems best. The court did not agree with that. Justice John Marshall uh, Harlan uh, began the court's 1905 decision in the Massachusetts, ver Massachusetts versus Jacobson by saying that the liberty secured by the Constitution does not create an absolute right in each person to be at all times and in all circumstances wholly freed from restraint. Otherwise, we would soon be confronted with disorder and anarchy. Anarchy. Now, Jacobson's case with the smallpox, smallpox vaccine is relevant to the current COVID-19 pandemic, but there are important differences between the diseases. COVID-19, while widespread or more widespread than smallpox, is not nearly as deadly. Smallpox killed 30% of the infected. Twice the number suffered permanent disfigurement. On the other hand, the early versions of the smallpox vaccine were far more dangerous than what we've seen from the COVID vaccination. Um, it goes on at the time that this article was written to say that the government right now has not made it a mandate for the COVID vaccination, but now under Joe Biden of last Tuesday, there is a mandate now. Now, folks, I read that long article to everybody for one reason and one reason only. The Massachusetts versus Jacobson case about the smallpox vaccine that they wanted to impose on the people then was dangerous. It caused a lot of issues. It was not perfected. Now, I'm not making the claim, so I do not want anyone to get um, misinformed with what I'm getting at here. But the COVID-19 our SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, however you want to put it, rather it be the Moderna, the Johnson & Johnson, or Pfizer, 
Yes, we have two of them that are FDA approved. They've been on the market for less than a year and a half. Now, I know what people's going to say. Well, Mr. Nash, I mean, you know, Project Warp Speed. I get it. It was under Donald Trump. It was handed off to the Biden administration. I'm not looking at this as the vaccine is bad. I have questioned the vaccine. I have questioned the vaccine until my face turns blue. There is a lot of unknowns. Just here within the last 72 hours, you have people in the health World Health Organization, the CDC, independent studies that are working with the White House. People are resigning. Why? They don't agree with the mandate. They don't agree with now there's a debate going on about booster shots. I wonder why. And let's also take into consideration the poll here three weeks ago that I read off to everybody that said that doctors, doctors all over the U.S., a large poll of doctors do not and have not taken the vaccine and will not take the vaccine. What is it that our own medical personnel behind the science, what is it that they know that we're not being told? That's just like I have read articles the last several weeks. I have mentioned this in this podcast. I've read it off in these podcasts about studies being find, is finding that people that have taken the vaccine for COVID, they're starting to find out in laboratory tests that individuals' blood are becoming thicker. We know what happens with more thickness in the blood. Clotting. Now, I'm not going to sit here and play doctor and tell everybody that don't go out and get a shot. I'm not advocating that at all. But what I'm saying is for people that are out there and who do not feel that it is right for them to go get a COVID shot rather because they've had COVID and they have immunity cells to it or because they just feel like it's a safety risk for them, and they've decided that, or it's because of a spiritual, a spiritual aspect behind it that they, a religious aspect behind it that they, they feel divine providence that they don't want the shot. That's what I'm arguing. That's your independent right as an individual. And I know I'm going to hear it from the other spectrum. Well, I don't want people around me that are not vaccinated to get me sick. Well, here's my counter to that. And I've read this off the CDC and the WHO's website here on my last podcast before September 11th podcast. I read it from their own website. It says that you cannot contract the COVID-19 virus if you've been vaccinated. We all know that that's a lie. We know it's a lie because people are getting vaccinated. They've been vaccinated for months 
and they're coming down with COVID again. It's the same thing when I went over this with getting pissed off about Governor DeWine with, well, we got to start putting masks on our kids in schools again. They don't do anything. If they really stopped the spread, folks, COVID wouldn't be here. If the vaccine works, the virus wouldn't be here. Which brings me to my even bigger question. I keep hearing on news networks, well, you know, we got to fight against the unvaccinated because they're the COVID spreaders. Really? Show me definitive numbers, not made up numbers, definitive numbers from the states and their hospitals who are caring for COVID patients. I want to know what the actual ratio is between people that are vaccinated and people that are unvaccinated who's getting COVID. And I know what the pushback's going to be. We don't have those numbers. Because I've already heard that debate. We don't have these numbers. We're, we can't We can't produce that for you. It's an estimated guess. No. No, that's an excuse. I worked in the healthcare field for over five years. That's a bullshit cop-out lie. The hospitals can keep numbers of COVID patients. They have no problems keeping COVID death records and COVID death numbers. You're telling me you cannot, from a shadow of a doubt, per state, per their hospitals, get an accurate count of who is vaccinated and who is not, who has COVID. Or who has clinically come down with COVID if they've been vaccinated already or not. And that's the information that I wanna see. That's the information that I wanna know. And we're not getting those numbers. And when we do get the numbers, it's rather an attack on Florida or it's an attack on Texas. And then that gets retracted by networks like the Washington Post or CNN or Politico or someone saying, well, you know, the numbers are fudged. The CDC says or the World Health Organization says or the state's uh, 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 record uh you know, the hospitals didn't get the number right, and we're not really sure, okay, so why report it? This is where the hysteria comes in, which I've talked about constantly, which gets me fired up, because I ask legitimate questions, and nobody can give a legitimate answer to. We get this scrape at the bottom of the barrel answer, and then it gets retracted, and it's, well, we don't really know. Well, if you don't really know, then why are you on TV going to everybody saying, you're going to die. You're going to die from COVID. The, the hospitals are overrun with COVID and it's all people that's not vaccinated. Do you know that? Do you know that from a shadow of a doubt that all those people coming in are unvaccinated? And this administration has put the war on vaccinated individuals. And yet here just a week ago, when the mandate came down, what was the question that was asked to Jen Psaki? You want to put a, 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 vaccination, a vaccination mandate 
on businesses, on the American public, on American citizens, but yet you don't want to put the same mandate on illegal immigrants coming across this border into this country. And her answer was yes. I can bring up the audio if I really need to on that. I dare someone question me on that. Jen Psaki's answer was yes. If I was that news reporter, I would have did one of those clips from The Office where the one guy from The Office always looks at the camera when something funny was said. Because that's what I would have done if I was that reporter. I would have looked at the camera and I just would have gave that look of... Because... When you have mandates coming down on the American companies, American public, and yet you're, you're letting immigrants from God knows where, carrying God knows what, unchecked into this country, you want to put mandates on American citizens, but not what's flowing into this country. And you wonder why we have widespread supposed sickness. I sometimes feel like I have lobsters crawling out of my ears because people just don't understand what I'm coming from. And it's just simple. It, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. It's just common sense. Common sense. I'm going to go ahead, folks. Uh, we're rolling into another about 25 minutes here. Of uh, I, I've got to get to another commercial break, so a nonprofit timeout here. So again, I will come back and we will continue the podcast. Everyone, just hold tight. We'll be right back, folks. As I was aging, the pain in my hips was getting worse and worse. So I ordered relief factor for pain I was having in my neck and my knees. After 30 years of back pain. I have found relief. I am pain-free. I love it. I am so glad that I ordered Relief Factor. I am now pain-free. Thank you, Relief Factor. Folks, I don't know how to tell you how rewarding it is to hear all the wonderful Relief Factor success stories. Pat Boone again. Let me ask you, are aches and pains keeping you from sleeping through the night? Or keeping you from taking those nice long walks or playing golf or tennis? You can't really call it living if you can't get around comfortably the three-week quick start from relief factor may be all you need to lower or even eliminate these pains here's something you need to know the majority of people who order the three-week quick start now only 19.95 go on to order more let's see if we can get you out of pain too go to relieffactor.com And we are back, folks. Let me go ahead and get uh, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Ostley. We'll go ahead and get him uh, cut off here. We are back. We are going to go continue right in as we barrel through uh, the first hour here. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the next topic. I'm going to move away from COVID. Um, we're going to go right into the California Governor Newsom 
um, recall efforts that's actually happening today, folks. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but there's some really good articles and polling going on right now. I'm going to go ahead and play a clip. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm going to go ahead and play a clip here. This was from MSNBC. It says, Governor Newsom faces recall election in California. I'm going to go ahead and play that clip for everyone. In Los Angeles, Gavin Newsom is making the final rounds as the deadline for a special recall election approaches. We will defeat this Republican-backed recall on Tuesday. The governor campaigning to keep his job as his opponents criticize him for imposing heavy restrictions during the pandemic and his handling of issues like the homeless population and immigration. I think there's a lot of change that needs to happen uh, in California, so I'm very grateful for it. Yet Newsom maintains strong support. I think he's done a good job with the COVID response. I'd like to see him continue his term. Voters will decide by Tuesday to keep Gavin Newsom as governor or replace him with one of 46 challengers. Newsom needs more than 50% of voters to choose no on the ballot. If the majority selects yes, the opponent with the most votes would become governor. The key for the Newsom campaign is turnout. This is an overwhelmingly Democratic state. So if they can turn out a bunch of California's 10 million Democrats, they're going to beat California's 5 million Republicans. The list of contenders, ranging from the former mayor of San Diego to reality TV star Caitlyn Jenner, but the front runner, conservative talk radio host Larry Elder. I'm not anti-vax. I've been vaccinated. What I'm opposed to are vaccine mandates and face mask mandates. Hello, Californians. Joining in support for Newsom are Democratic heavyweights, former President Barack Obama, Vice President Kamala Harris, and tomorrow, President Biden set to join the campaign. Should Newsom... Now, I'm going to go ahead and I, I cut that feed there for one simple reason. One, there was no need to continue with that. Again, that was a feed from MSNBC. But today, the recall efforts and the voting is is happening. It's happening today, folks. Um, I don't know what the outcome is going to be out there in California. Honestly, if you live out there in California, uh, folks, I, <clears throat> I have said this before and I will say this again. There has been a lot of people moving out of California because of the COVID mandates, because of the back and forth, uh, I'm going to impose mandates by Governor Newsom, but I'm not going to follow my own mandates. He has driven the economy out there into the ground. Now, to be fair, we have also had Republican governors out in California. And I'm going to tell you, there is so much problems with California. It's it's not even funny. We heard a woman on there say, well, if he would do something about the, uh, the homeless problem. Folks, if you go to California, I know this for a fact. I've been there. You go to California, you get a map of California. On the maps, there are areas circled where there are piles of human feces in the streets. 
I'm, I'm not making this up. Human feces. Areas in which used to be beautiful with small businesses. Trafficked by many people. Beautiful areas. Now look like third world countries in California. This isn't just in certain areas of California. This is all over California. It has become the suburbs for the homeless. The vacationing area for the homeless. Now, I'm not against helping homeless people. That is not what I'm getting at. <clears throat> but Governor Newsom and the Democrats out there are not going to help the homeless problem. All they're going to do is like they've been doing. They're going to add to it. It, it, it it's, it's just kind of like Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi goes on about she doesn't like walls, but yet her her million dollar mansion and her property is surrounded by a wall out there in California. Out of all the money that we have passed, why aren't we helping the homeless out there? And I don't mean taking over hotels and 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 settling the homeless or illegal immigrants and, and making hotels close up shop. I don't mean making uh, tent cities in front of businesses that they can't open because of the homeless problem. I mean actually tackling the homeless problem. Helping these people find jobs. Helping them create and go to centers for homeless to help them get re-educated to go into the work field. Better hygiene. A better aptitude for living. Getting them reorganized into the work field. That's helping the homeless. Getting people, fighting to get people off the street. Not continuing the struggle. Actually fighting to get them off the street. And I know you're going to have people that's out there that's in poverty or they're homeless and they don't want to work. They want to live like that. That's where we need to have measures involved where we say, look, I'm not against helping you, but then you need to move on. You can't be in front of a restaurant causing it to be shut down. You cannot be a public safety issue. It's the same thing with crime and poverty. I'm not saying that all people in poverty cause crimes. But you know there's a large statistic that says that over 70% of people in poverty usually commit some kind of a crime, most of them a violent crime. It's no different when I say, if you look at the population or the number of people that's incarcerated, we could be going through and putting in money to fix these issue problems so that it's not a complete revolving door that never gets solved. Is Governor Newsom going to solve any of those problems? That's the question that I'm going to ask people out there voting today in California. Is that going to, is he going to, is he the man? Because he hasn't been thus far. They got over a certain amount of people to vote for a recall. I know it cannot just be Republicans. That state is overwhelmingly 
Party Democrat. So something must be happening out there for this to be going on. Now, I'm not going to sit there and throw my hat at any candidate. I will say this. We have to have some people in there that must be far much better than what we have now with Newsom. So again, I'm going to reiterate something that I tell to everyone. I'm not trying to sway anyone on a vote out there in California. I live here in Ohio. But I will give you my spiel again. Put party aside. Put the R, the D, whatever you want to label yourself, put it aside. Put the ego aside. Get rid of the party. Don't look at the individual on the ballot. Look at the individual or individuals and what their policies are for the love of God. Look at your policies that the individuals are wanting to impose, are wanting to set forth for the state. And that's where you have to decide with the pros and cons with those policies, are they going to help me or hinder me? That's your individual side that you have to look at. Then you have to take it one step further. Is it going to help my state or hinder my state? And last but not least, if you're a parent, especially with the fights going on with mandates and COVID, you have to ask yourself, again, without being objective, and I mean really ask yourself while looking at your children, does this help my children or does this hinder my children? That is what you need to look at, folks, if you're out there in California and you're out there voting and you're legal to vote and of age and you're making that decision today for this recall, that is what you need to look at. If you can honestly put party aside and ask yourself those three questions legitly, then that is the choice then that individual is who you should vote for. But in pretext to that, I would just say this, especially with who we have in office right now, don't vote for the blind leading the blind, because you see the road we're on now, <laughs> and the road ain't very good. So you, you, you heard, like I said, the video there for, for Governor Newsom's recall. We're going to go ahead now and I'm going to give you the update here. This is on this is on Fox News. It says California Governor Gavin Newsom gets graded by San Francisco residents. It says locals in the San Francisco area graded Governor Newsom in his hometown. Um, today, as the recall efforts continue, it says. Uh, I'm going, to, I'm going to read some of the individuals, uh, their comments. It says, the answer is rated from an A++ to an F. Uh, one 
person said on Fox News affiliates said he's terrible. It was a local man who gave Newsom an F. Quote, basically, I wasn't working because of him. Another woman told Fox News, California governor um, and mayor, um, he deserved an A++. She said, I love him. He's good for California. She said, keep Gavin Newsom. He's the best for California. She was quoted on saying he actually cares about climate. The woman continued, he cares about the homeless problem. Okay. Uh, he cares about the people. At the rally in Long Beach on Monday night, President Biden urged uh, voters to keep Newsom in office. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, folks, I don't have the audio for this. Uh, I've tried to get it. I don't. Biden was met with a lot of hate here the other night. Uh, and when I mean hate, there was a lot of people that was screaming at President Biden to get on his plane and go home that they didn't want him there. Again, most of that is coming from the mandate that he set down. Uh, it said, um, many people brung up the uh, Governor Newsom's mask mandates. A lot of people brung up the maskless diner incident that happened in November at the French Laundry Restaurant. Critics have argued that the governor's COVID-19 restrictions have been unnecessarily aggressive. Uh, one person quoted was saying, do as I say, not as I do, to Fox News, uh, giving Newsom a D+. Another man who gave Newsom an F said he went to this restaurant, no mask, and then he mandates. One man wearing a, wearing a jean jacket said, we're all going to be human. We're all going to make mistakes. So big deal. Um, some people have been quoted saying that he did a great job during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of other people have said that calling his effort total BS. Um, says t over 2 million people have decided they don't like the governor. And that's why recall efforts are underway. So that is the local um, vibe coming out of the recall election out there. It's underway right now in California. Some other things that's going on right now. <clears throat> I could pull the audio. It's on right now live. I'm not going to subject my viewers to this. Um. Senate, uh, Senate Democrats unveil a compromise, a compromise bill on the voting rights issue. This came out today, September the 14th, early this morning. It says, uh, Washington, a small group of eight Senate Democrats introduced new voting uh, legislation Thursday, or excuse me, Tuesday, after reaching a compromise with moderate Senator Joe, uh, Joe Manchin on the voting bill, which focuses on expanding voter access, boosting election integrity, and encouraging civil 
rights protection. The bill, dubbed the Freedom, uh, the Freedom to Vote Act, contains a long list of provisions that include making Election Day a public holiday, requiring same-day registration at polling locations by 2024, and ensuring at least 15 days of early voting for federal elections. House Democrats have per, uh, previously uh, passed two other voting bills, for the People Act and the uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act along party lines, but the legislation did not advance in the Senate. That's right. It died in the Senate, folks, because there was a lot of things in those bills. It was just going to be a you vote Democrat or we're going to make this a Democrat election and it's going to be a one party system. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Monday that the Senate floor that he intends to hold a vote to proceed to a compromise measure as early as next week, which will require 60 senators to report in advancing to the bill. It's unclear whether the Democrats can gather the support of 10 Republicans, though Schumer, Schumer said that Michonne, or Jimmy, Joe Manchin has been discussing the bill with GOP senators. He was quoted on saying, it's a good proposal. I encourage many of my Senate colleagues to support it. Uh, Schumer added at the time, uh, it is time for um, a good change. Well, I, I, I think this bill again is going to die in the Senate. Um, I, I really don't see this advancing. Nor really should it. Gonna go here to Newsmax TV. Um, this is a this this has to go along again. Um, I'm gonna read this. It says uh, Rep. Ferguson, Dems tax hike will leave businesses gutted. Now, there has been a, a, a proposed bill here, folks. Um, sorry about that ad there, it just popped up. There, there has been a bill for this $3.5 trillion proposed spending bill um, that's been kind of up in the air right now that the Democrats want to push through. They're... <laughs> They're, they're wanting to put more taxes out to pay for this, folks. I, I told everybody this is how money just doesn't grow off of trees. Yes, we print it freely, folks, but uh, it just devalues the dollar. And I, I've been telling everybody this money is going to come back to haunt not just you, your children and your children's children. Well, they're wanting to put on more taxes. So I'm going to read this here. It says the nation's small businesses are about to get gutted, but the Democrats planned a corporate tax hike. Rep. Drew Ferguson said on Thursday to Newsmax, I don't know how they think it's a good idea, but it's going to raise taxes not only on businesses, but small businesses, our investors, job creators, the real heart and soul of the economy, Georgia Republicans said to Newsmax. It's time that America wakes up. 
they don't really give a lot of information in the article about what exactly they're going to hike up in taxes. I'm assuming from what I have read, this goes to the corporate uh, corporate tax. They're, they're wanting to raise the corporate tax on all businesses. Um, again, we know this from economics. I'm an economics major myself and a business major. Folks, when you put taxes on businesses or you up the corporate tax, I've said this before, it's not the corporation that's going to pay for this. You and I are going to get taxed for this because the businesses are going to up, up their products because in order to make the products, it's going to cost more. So they're going to put more taxes, put more cost on their goods that mean you buy. We're going to be paying that tax. See, this is, this is again, the blind leading the blind. Did anybody see on September 11th, too, what came out on a couple of news networks? Uh, I'm reading this off of Newsmax here. One of the Al-Qaeda head leaders that supposedly was killed in a bombing um, sometime back, Arkazawi, I believe that's how his name was pronounced, uh, he was one of the right-hand men to Osama bin Laden. Well, a new video has surfaced now that he's alive and well. Um, I'm going to read this article here. It says, Terror lives on. U.S. officials say Al-Qaeda could reform in Afghanistan in one to two years. This, folks, that's not surprising. None of this is surprising. I don't know why everyone in the news business looks at this as it's a shock. It's not. We've spent 20 years in Afghanistan, and there's nothing to show for this now. I, I, that, that's just like right now. You've got uh, Belkin. Uh, he's explaining in the House Intelligence uh, Committees here. He's, he's trying to, he's getting grilled right now. Um, by Democrats and Republicans over the botched Afghanistan pullout. It's going on right now. I could cut live to the feed, but I am not going to. It's the same BS that we keep hearing and keep hearing and keep hearing. And I, I'm not going to subject people to that because all you're going to get is lies after lies. I mean, that's just like the article here. It says... Puppeteer Act. It says powerful GOP senators demand Belkin explains Biden apparent lack of authority after troubling incident. Uh, what do you expect? Or, or, or this one. Drone bombshell. Balkan's administration about debts from U.S. airstrikes in Cabal and chilling reports. You have our own soldiers telling people when they were on the ground and back here at home now about the incompetence of the Biden administration, the, the lack of leadership within our own military brass at the top end, not, not at the, the, the soldier level. Folks, these people couldn't run a hot dog stand if they tried. 
and this is who we have in charge. This is none of this is surprising. I mean, none of this is surprising. I mean, I'm I, they've they went over this for the last two days with Blunken or Belkin, excuse me, and they're not going to get they're, they're not going to get anywhere from this. And did everyone see did everyone see the Joe Biden talking here yesterday evening from the White House? And they cut the news feed because he got off track again. They cut it. All networks were making fun of the Biden administration. Every network. It's sad when even CNN can't defend you, Mr. President, and your administration. That's sad. Which now you have people from all spectrums saying, hey, Biden is not in control. Somebody else is calling the shots. Who is it? This is your president, folks. This is your president that you voted for. Elections have consequences. I know people make fun of me when I say that, but it is the truth. Elections have consequences. Well, folks, I'm going to go ahead and I am going to end this podcast for another day. We've covered quite a bit of news here today. Um, everything in the federal and state levels that's going on. Um, again, like I tell everyone, please drop us a line. Um, if you want to talk about anything political, that's fine. It doesn't have to be political in nature. It could be about anything you want to talk about. Drop us a line. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook, Rumble, uh, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it. We're out there. We're on it. Um, and I would love to hear people's opinions. You do not have to agree with me. I do not take offense to anything. Um, but I love to hear comments. Uh, so again, this has been another episode of Political Theater with me, Charles Nash. Um, I will see everyone here next time for more glorious news. So have a great day, fo uh, day folks. Good night.